This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m. Here on Rally Check Radio, it's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Remember, you can send me a text at 2057. Uh, email me inbox at Well, I've been going around the citizen parties. That's my new name for the what's called the third parties, the minor parties. These are the parties that have actual people uh, standing for our parliament so we can have a citizen parliament rather than... Uh, politicians who sound like robots uh, when you interview them. And i got to say, I wish I had a vote for every one of them because they've all been lovely. And I know I'm going to want to vote for this one too. So I'm going to have to go into that ballot box multiple times because we have got on the wonderful, marvellous Leighton Baker. Good morning, Leighton. G'day, Rodney. Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, well, I feel as though we should declare a conflict of interest because your daughter, the wonderful Chantal Baker, is a host on the show. So I'm totally biased and compromised. Also, also, yes. Also, I saw you at the protest. And not only were you at the protest, you were, I wouldn't say a leader there, but you played a key role and keeping things on track and in interacting with the police and being a calm voice and being, I would say, a supporter of a diverse and angry community. And I was extremely impressed by you. That's very kind. Thank you. That's that is high praise from you, Rodney. Yeah. Well, you weren't just there. You played a big role. And um, to be there and then to be standing for Parliament is something. But I saw you behind the scenes working um, with people and with groups, and you were very calming and very reassuring, and you, you're one of those guys that people look to because you're seeing, you know what to do. If you know what I mean, you're wise. So I really much, I observed that genuinely. And um, it's not a thing that we see much, I think, these days. And you didn't do it in a self-aggrandizing way. You just did it. And uh, I certainly was a witness to it. And I'm happy to tell anyone that um, you played a critical role. And by the way, I've just remembered this. You were arrested. Yeah, I've got a free night on the on the uh, taxpayer. Yeah, with, with my own toilet and everything. It's amazing, <laughs> luxury. Mm. How extraordinary is it? So you can say now, hand on heart, standing at this election, along with Chris Hipkins. Oh yes, I've been to a parliamentary protest. Oh yes, I was uh, arrested. Um, to be fair, you didn't do it in your youthful days when you were at university. You did it as a granddad and a leader of a political party. You still got arrested. That's quite a that's quite a claim to fame. Well, it just meant when I got back, my grandson said to me, "Well, you can't tell me how to be good now, can you?" <laughs> now you're a very successful builder and businessman. Um, you've just finished a gigantic pour on a com- commercial building this morning, starting at four thirty a.m. And you poured... I, I, I didn't I didn't place the concrete. I wasn't on the screen this morning, Rodney. I'm my I'm beyond that now. 
But um, yeah, so we, we did our last physical hard graft on Friday, getting it ready, and then had a whole lot of concrete places in there, and I was just supervising and making sure that no one got run over. Yeah, uh, so, so your job was collecting morning this morning, mm. the foundation, and and then you just saw that they poured it and they they poked the concrete in the right place and left the steel in place. Well, it's it, we, we we did all the foundations. That the guys that came today are places, and uh, that's a specialist role. I've done a little bit of it, but there's no way I'd tackle that size floor. You know, they have half a dozen guys, and they they uh, they definitely earn their money. They definitely earn their money because yeah. they bent double. And it's shifting concrete. If you need to shift it from one side to the other, it's heavy. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It, it, it's but these guys weren't all that young either. Actually, I mean, there are a couple of younger guys, but most of them were sort of not not that far off. My, I'd, I'd say I probably got ten years on them. It's not that much really, and they're still grunting it. You know, it's And the, you've spent your whole life around people who build things for a living, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's just what I do, yeah. Um, they're different. It's like farmers or people that actually create stuff, make stuff, grow things and do things. They are so remarkably different in outlook to people who teach, and no disrespect, work in an office, law partners, um where it's a lot more, shall we say, social and therefore slash political and uh, versus out in the rain confronting physics and nature <laughs> to yeah. make your living. Well, actually, what I think is one of the biggest things, Ronnie, is it's problem solving. Like yes. most tradies, it's problem solving. If you're a mechanic, you're trying to solve why the car or the tractor or the boat doesn't go. If you're a builder, yeah, you've got to put all the bits together. But but your problem solving is why don't those bits fit together? Where that's bits meant to go, and and how to make that work. And uh, so you've got that part to it. So I think that's that critical thinking or looking at something. Go okay, something not right here. How do we fix it? We, we last year during the produce I had a reasonable size house we were doing. And the interesting thing is, of all the subbies, so subbies are the subcontractors, and, you know, we had guys putting the jib wood on and doing the jib stopping and putting the cladding on and, and doing the roof and, you know, placing the concrete uh, floor and, and the, you know, drain layers and plumbers and sparkies and all those people. So they're all subcontractors and, you know, cleaning your toilets and emptying your bins and all that. So if all of them came on, there was only one of all the ones that came onto my site that had voluntarily gone and got the treatment, only one. Uh, which I thought was remarkable because I didn't have a big sign out saying, you know, you know if, if you've been injected, don't come on my site. There was none mm. of that. But of all those guys, then you're just talking, oh, I don't want that. No, I don't want that. I'm not interested in that. Oh, that, that sounds dodgy. And to me, it was quite interesting. Um, considering because that, you're thinking you know, that they have to think for themselves at their work. Yeah, they do. So you'd think, oh, maybe they'd, get, they'd want to go and get jabbed up so that they don't get sick and they carry on work. But these guys are looking at going, something doesn't look right. Something's not not on the level. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that was the remarkable thing about the protest, because the people that were protesting are people that have never protested before. And they were angry and they were determined but they were problem solvers and capable. So toilets could appear, showers could be made, uh, water could be attended to, uh, people could be kept safe. And it was a very, very capable bunch of people at that protest. 
and the security bollards could be electrically withdrawn. Yes. <laughs> I was just the greatest thing in my life. And then, of course, you're used, I guess, when you're doing a, a big job, you are organizing the big picture of groups of men and women, I guess, subbies, um, to a task. And then that sort of came, that was a skill that came in useful at the protest. Um, it was wonderful. It was wonderful to see you there. And um, I thought you displayed great courage and great principles, and you stood up to be counted when the easiest thing was just to sit on the sidelines and see how it plays out. Um, and I have total respect for that. Now, tell me, you're now in the election campaign. It's not, to quote Winston Peters, your first rodeo. You've been in election campaigns before. Tell me about this campaign, your political party, and what you hope to achieve. Awesome. Um, yeah, so at the beginning of the year, there was a poll that came out on News Hub, and, and for some reason it had my name on the preferred prime minister at 3.9%, which is, you know, it, it's not New Zealand wants you as prime minister, but what it said was there's a significant group of people out there that want to see you stand for parliament. That That was the message I took from it. So then we thought, well, we've, we've got to stand. So I just wanted to stand as an independent in my electorate. Uh, and I was hoping to link with other independents around New Zealand standing in their electorates because what I what, what I learned from the parliament was the fact that when we allow people just to work to their strengths, we get a really good community. And like mm. you say, they were just genuine people, they're problem solving. And it was a marvellous place to be. So I thought, well, one thing that's ruining New Zealand is this excess of control where um, it seems to me that the central government just wants to control everything people do rather than release them to reach their full potential. And party politics, which is when you have people that are getting into parliament on a list, so they're not responsible to anyone per se, but they are responsible to their party, has sort of spoiled democracy. We've lost our democracy because what happens now is, is they do what they're told by their party leaders because their party leader determines if they've got a job instead of being responsible to the people of New Zealand. So if we're going to combat that, we have to just stand in our electorate and say, we want to represent you in Parliament. And so I thought if we've got a group of independents standing in the different electorates and they came under an umbrella to get the party vote, that would be a more de democratic form of governance. So the party wouldn't control them because there mm -hmm. is no party structure over them. There's simply a group of independents working together. But you can't do that. I didn't realise at the time, independents aren't allowed to be under an umbrella. Uh, so we had to form a party, but but that's the structure of what we've formed. So any candidates, they run their own campaign, they do their own thing, they agree to a set of principles, but they're there to represent their electorate, uh, and hear the voice. That's what it's about. It's a, it's a change in how politics works, but what I look at is a system that's broken and it's destroying people, and we can't just change the icing on the top of the cake, we actually have to change the structure. And mm. so that's what we're setting out to do. I've got to know you, Leighton, and uh, thank you. I've got to know you, and it's been a blessing to me to know you. And so I know you're not ego-driven, um, and I understand perfectly that you've named your party the Leighton Baker Party because that's what people identified with. They knew you, 
And um, you naturally, I would have done exactly the same. I would have called myself the Leighton Baker Bay. No, um, <laughs> but that that was the thing that people knew. So you come up with a new name, they'd never connect you with that party. But in doing that, I understand what you're saying about the electorates. You're also, are you seeking the party vote as well? Well, we obviously are because more representation. And, and the thing, because that uh, poll came out, obviously it's not just my electorate that was saying that. So people mm. from around New Zealand, the context said, we want to be able to vote for you. So that's why we have to do the party vote. Mm. The, the Leighton Baker name is simply, it's just marketing. That's all it is. Yes. So, Back in no, I know you. You don't. You don't have to explain. No, I, I can reassure well, this, listeners. Yeah. Um, that it's simply, Baker, how do you market a new name in a short period yeah. of time? You just can't. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And, no. and Colin Craig and Kim.com and um, Gareth Morgan—they spent millions of dollars marketing their names, and, and I just haven't got millions of dollars to spend on it. So mm. we had to use the one thing we had in our hand, which is the name. That's all it is. So I sort of see the name as something separate to me, which is a bit difficult because I sort of use it most days. Yes, of course, and you've got that dry sense of humour, which I enjoy. Um, so we've got the late Leighton Baker party, and it's got candidates standing in the electorates for the electorate uh, vote, and you're also going for the party vote. Um, can you give us a brief overview of your principles and values and policies? Yeah, so it's it's the principles is the key thing. Because policies, I believe, should be developed by the people. I think what's happened over the last few years is politicians come up with policies and ram them through Parliament that nobody wanted, nobody needed, and they spend a vast fortune on it, and it doesn't matter what the people think, they just force it through. Well, that, that's not democracy. So we're saying as a party, we've got a group of principles, and our, our principles are that all laws uh, that come into play in New Zealand must be for the benefit of New Zealand, so they shouldn't be orchestrated or initiated by any offshore overseas group, whether it's a government, intergovernment, or um, company style. So all laws should be based on the good of New Zealand. We should uphold all the Bill of Rights for New Zealanders, so that's enshrining those, so the government can't have government overreach when it does that. Uh, we want to see a reduced size of central government, so we're all committed to reducing the size of the bureaucracy and empowering local uh, areas more, because you know, you're, you're in Wanaka or, or um, Aritown, somewhere down there. I'm in Canterbury. In, in New Zealand, in different areas, they have different needs. They do things differently. Why should central government control them? Why should mm. central government say to the West Coast, you cannot have a dam on that river? Mm. Central government doesn't live there. They're not trying to survive there. That's up to the locals to decide. So we need to disempower central government and give that power to the regions. That actually reduces... Um, what we'd see is corruption, whether it's bribery, coercion, uh, or just pressure. When one person has too much power, they're too open to that. So reducing central government is really, really important. Enshrining the Bill of Rights is really, really important. Uh, laws that only benefit are there for the benefit of New Zealand is really important. And then seeking a more direct democracy uh, as we move forward is really important to us. So uh, those are the main, I mean, if you're summarising them, there's more, but just in summary, that that's the key principles of it, that we want to represent the people of New Zealand by them having a voice. And and in the future, my vision in the future is we, we have a more de democratic system where the people get to know what the government's thinking or uh, in regards to policy. So you might come up with a policy of removing GST on fresh fruit and veggies, which I don't think you would, but, you know, then, then that gets put out to the people and the people, and you also give them the options of why this is a good law and why it's not a good law. So you have two different groups come up with those and the people get, first it comes through, we're looking at this policy, then these are the 10 reasons why we're looking at it and then are the, these are the 10 reasons why not 
and below is a chat group where you can talk and discuss with other people. And then before people vote, they've got to tick that they've read all of those different 20 points and then they can vote. So you're getting a, a feel for where the people are at. And if it's 50-50, you do more research. But in most cases when we've had a referendum in New Zealand, it's been overwhelming one way or the other, mm. which means the politicians then are they're guided by the people. They have to do what the people say rather than, oh, we don't care, we're doing our thing, we've got an agenda, we don't give a toss what you want. You voted us to rule over you like an oligarch and we're going to, which is the system we have at the moment. I'm guessing you would describe yourself as centre-right? Uh, I'm definitely not always right. Um, ask my wife. But, but yeah, I, that's the right and left thing, I mean, for me personally, I believe you've got to have free choice and free speech. Um, that's vitally important. And there also has to be accountability for actions. You've got to take some responsibility okay. for your actions. But I also I can't imagine you supporting a Labour Green Maori party in government. I couldn't at the moment. I look at what they've done to New Zealand, they've destroyed it. That, that I, it's hard to recognise. And I don't know how we're going to dig ourselves out of the hole they've dug us, dug us really, because... They like they've gone and got a mortgage for a big flash house, and then they've thrown in the job. That's what they've yeah. done. And there's only one outcome if you do that. Yeah. So I want you to, with that, got to get rid of those guys. Tough job for whoever gets in. It looks likely a national act government. Maybe Mr. Peters is in and maybe Leighton Baker Party. Now, what are your criticisms of National and ACT? What is it that troubles you about them so much so that you have formed your own party? Part of it is to do with what happened last year where the leaders of those parties basically said, grab them and jab them, put them out of schools and jab them, hold their, their um, resources back and jab them. And I've just met too many people that have been destroyed by it. The second thing is none of those guys actually came out of Parliament and actually asked the people there, why are you here and what is your big beef? None of them actually initiated a conversation to say, okay, there's a lot of you claiming you're injured, tell us how it happened, sign affidavit. None of them actually represented the people last year. So for them to come out this year and say, we want to represent you, no, you don't. You're not even remotely interested. You've got an agenda. It's actually, it's actually disgusting what they did, isn't it? They're saying they vote for us to keep our job or give us a job. And the same political parties, Act and National, signed up with Jacinda Ardern to see people's lives destroyed, families divided, the country trashed. And then when the people rose up, not all, but a big chunk rose up, they denigrated us and wouldn't even give us a respect. They could have put on a hazmat suit and come out and spoken <laughs> to us with their little respirators on. Yeah. But they refused. And now they expect us to vote for them? Well, it's actually probably a bit even worse than that, Rodney. Now, yes. they knew, and they now have no shadow of a doubt, that what they were forcing people to take did not stop the transmission of the disease. Their mandates were worthless and useless. 
but they have not come out and one said we're sorry we got that wrong or two acknowledge the harm that it's caused and and they just keep doubling down and and that's the thing that winds me up i'm meeting people even on friday i sat beside a guy 22 months um, after he got damaged and he is walking now and he's getting a bit of feeling back he is still nowhere near right 22 months no recognition um it's his own problem his own fault pay for it yourself and destroyed us they destroyed his life and they won't even recognize what they've done to him that's 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 not leadership that's that's what scummy people do that's what people you don't trust do that's what people you don't want in your company do good people take ownership of bad decisions so got it wrong really sorry what can i do to help none of these guys have done that so none of them are actually for purpose it's absolutely heinous they'll never have they'll never have my vote ever 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 again for what they did um and as you say, still, speaking of that vaccine-injured gentleman that you meet, we all know in our lives people that are injured, and we hear through social media and through RCR, many, many people, we don't know the full extent, but we fear it is large, and we worry that it could be growing. What would you do for the vaccine injured should you have the privilege of getting to Parliament? Well, the first thing I'd do is open up centres around New Zealand so people that are vaccine injured to go go and tell their story, say what happened to them and sign an affidavit on it. So we actually get a full, we understand the scale of it. Because from what I read about the, the uh, review the government was going to do, it's a bit like, you know, the Police Complaints Authority did a review of the police on it. The lady, one of the ladies I met, her, her directive was to look at how they operated machinery. <laughs> well, we got a protest where people are there who have lost their jobs, family members, health, and the directive was, well, you know, did the police use machinery safely? And I just, you know, this is unbelievable. So the first thing is actually to hear from the people that are hurt and let them be heard. Uh, then the government has to acknowledge the harm that's been caused and allow those people to be helped through ACC. Um, and, and that's vitally important. And we have to have a, a proper open review on the whole process from where to go. Why why did they ban a treatment that had been in for 30 years and proven safe and effective so they could force on a treatment that hadn't been proven safe and effective on the people in New Zealand? Who made that decision? Why? On what advice? All those things have got to be looked at. Why? Why are there so many health practitioners that are saying we're not allowed to say anything because we'll lose our jobs? Who was putting that pressure on them? Who's behind that? Where did that directive come from? Because those are the things that have destroyed the accountability in New Zealand, where medical professionals are saying we can't say anything, we'll lose our jobs. But we see this guy I spoke to on Friday, he was in a pool in Burwood, and his condition, and I've forgotten what it's called, um, not Bell's palsy, but some syndrome like that it was full of people like that and his physio said yeah there's heaps of them they're just they're everywhere but we can't say anything because we'll lose our jobs it, that that's just so wrong that those people were had were muzzled by government that continued to say we're caring and we have all the truth for you so it's all of that that has to be exposed who put the pressure on who was forging the lies who was controlling people and and those people actually need to be held to account because they're the ones that have caused the harm. I'm sitting here listening to you talk, Leighton, and I apologise because I just, I went numb. Not 
through your words, well, through what you say, but through the experience, because mm -hmm. it's inconceivable that in this great country, the opposition could sign up to the government for a monstrous tyranny. And then within that tyranny, which was bad enough, the lockdowns, closure of businesses, the damage to people's lives and livelihoods, but to produce that vaccine mandate and run those stupid campaigns to put that shit in your body and then to have it harm people and for all of them to look away and to walk away from those damaged people yeah, and to silence professionals who would like to speak up but are too scared to. That's not like any country you want to live in. And then the so-called leader of it comes out and says it was their choice. Well, well, you know, that means it's our choice whether we pay tax because it's the same thing, isn't it? If you don't, you might be locked up or lose everything, but it's still your choice. So the most – I was grossly offended and I thought some bad thoughts when I heard that, just – Non-Christian thoughts. Very, very close probably. Borderline at best. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> but you know what really disappointed me about Hipkins doing all that? The opposition couldn't criticise them. No. No. Where were they? They're not opposition. We haven't had an opposition. That's my thing. I, You know, apart from the fact that if National and Labour joined together, it would be the end of both parties. Apart from that, I think they could. The, the, the difference between them was small, not large. And the ACT Party could jump into bed with them as well. Um, yeah, and, and probably and, will. And, and we saw that. And so it's Tweedledee and Tweedledum and Tweedledee or Dumber or something. And honestly, I love what New Zealand First are saying. I love some of their candidates. I can never vote for them because I know over and over and over again Winston Peters doesn't mean it, and he'll just do what Winston does. He'll get in. I'm sure he'll get in. He's very good at it. He's very good at electioneering. But I can't see him affecting the change. He might surprise me, but I cannot bring myself to vote for him. So my vote is a single-issue voter for the vaccine injured. Uh, I've got a lot of small parties or citizen parties that are going to do something for the vaccine injured. Sadly, I've only got my electorate and my party vote to spend. I'd like to give it to them all because I think they've all been fantastic. And I understand they can never come together. It's just the nature of politics. But it's wonderful to see that we have this emergence of these citizen parties who actually have a great point of difference because the legacy parties and the legacy media signed up against us. And, and, but it's a, it's a continuation, isn't it? It's not one-off. Look, I was happily building uh, many years ago, and a guy called Larry Bulldog called onto my building site in his camper van and said, can you give us a hand with this anti-smacking bill and what's going on with this? And I looked at it, and, and it's what got me involved in politics, not necessarily the smacking, but the fact that we had a referenda 
where 87 or 88 percent of the people respond and said, "Don't bring this law," and the government basically said, "Get stuffed." I went, "Hold on, whether you like it or not, that's what the people were telling you." But we haven't got democracy anymore because the government are overruling us, and it's it's increased. I think that the government have just taken it on board that we can do whatever we like, and the people won't fight back. So we hold the reins. And to me, that it's referendum. A I'm thinking that referendum was 2005. Would that be correct? No, 2008. Then it makes me feel old. So I'd probably try not to think about it. Well, that was a big thing because it was overwhelmingly the people spoke they didn't want it. And I can't remember what election year it was. And I mean, then remember... John Key came in. Yeah, John Key and Helen Clark cut a deal. That's right. John Key and Helen Clark cut a deal uh, to get the bill through with both national and Labour support. So it was just before the 2008 election. He signed up to it. The National Party signed up to it. And he was considered this great... Um, it was a great theatre of politics because uh, Helen Clark was making heavy weather of it. John Key came along and so-called solved the problem for to everyone's satisfaction. And Sue Bradford, oh my goodness, Bill could pass into law. The ACT Party stood against, it's coming back to me now. The referendum occurred. I got to sit in the negotiating room with John Key and meet with him for three years every week. Him, him, and him, and I to discuss, you know, politics and what we were doing in government. And I said to him, "Just get rid of the smacking bill, right? People overwhelmingly want that. It was a referendum." And he looked at me, and what he said next made me walk away. Funnily enough, thinking he was a great politician. Because he said to me, oh, but if I do that, the media will turn on me. And they will turn on me eventually, but I don't want them to turn on me in my first week. There's a lot of me's in that sentence, isn't there? There's a lot of me's. Mm. But he was also saying that he and his party or government couldn't withstand falling foul of the legacy media and even people that would support him on the smacking would eventually be turned off because it would be endless bang, bang, bang. And I thought that was quite wise or politically smart because he kept the media sort of not being able to attack him. But what a terrible state of a democracy where a political leader, the prime minister, the number one, has to place carrying favour with a bunch of brain-dead journalists over the citizens of the country. And, and what effect has that law had? Has it had a positive or negative effect? Are we seeing less child abuse? Are we seeing less crime? Of not. Are we seeing more compliance? No, we we disempowered authority, which encouraged anarchy, and we're seeing anarchy and we're going, oh, my goodness, how'd that happen? Well, everything's designed to undermine communities, families, farming, men and women, all the things that make the individual strong. Yeah. 
which is responsibility and freedom, your family and your community, your husband and your wife, your children, the ability even to have a family farm or a small family business, all of that has been eroded. And even the ability to be a plumber is being eroded because if you have the wrong thing, you'll probably lose your license. Has, has, that has been done to empower the state and the tyrants. And I don't even think John Key was a tyrant. It was the system that was tyrannical, and he was displaying his little bit in it. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. I do. And and that's the trouble. Um, people are not standing up to what is uh, control the population. And obviously, I'm a small businessman, and I mix a lot with other small business people. And it's a hard graft out there. It really is. And the amount I meet now that are saying, I've had enough. I'm just pulling out. Well, I'm going back to one man band. I can't be bothered anymore. It's a serious concern. And it looks to me like what happens, I think, is as central government grows, there's more people making the rules and enforcing the rules, and they have to make more rules to keep themselves busy. Yeah. But those rules, they apply on, on mainly the middle of the central small business person. And you just, you can't, if my job is to build houses and I'm spending most of my time on, on compliance issues, I'm not building houses, I'm not fulfilling my core roller. I don't get paid for filling out paper, I get paid to build houses. And it's mm. the same for farmers get paid to produce food. You know, across the board, we're paid to produce something, but if we're most of our time or a lot of our time is being absorbed in filling paperwork out for the government, then we're not producing and then then we're not actually earning money. And then why bother? Uh, and that's, that's the problem. If farmers want to get out of farming, they just can't sell their land. Um, or no one wants to buy it to farm because it's too much work. Um, it's, it's really scary out there. Like, like New Zealand is in a real bad place. It's in a real bad place. It is in a real, a real bad place and it's a a values thing a cultural thing it's about who we are and what we stand for and um we are those of us who are citizens have been left bewildered and confused and um sort of de-emphasized we don't count and you really feel that in the community when you look around. And um, they came for the men. And men can no longer be men, manly. Now, a woman is nothing special because a man can become a woman, for sure. It's not even an, a, a, an argument. And then you are defined not by who you are, but who your grandparents were. It's an extraordinary turn of events. And again, national, to some extent act, go along with it, and they quibble at the margins. They don't fundamentally say, no, stop. And they get us arguing. They get the plebs arguing over whether we're going to plant lettuces and cabbages. Meanwhile, they're selling all the land off, so we won't be able to plant yes. any. That, that's yes. the... It's a, it's a it's a it's a fantastic trick yep. of politics that I can see now from the outside that I couldn't see from the inside was just to create these fake choices. Do you want this or do you want that? 
And as soon as you're forced to be thinking about, do I want this or do I want that? Actually, I've lost the argument because they forced me into that um, debate. I mean, we're having this argument, say, about, oh, do we put methane into the emissions trading scheme or something, rather than we don't want any of it. Or um, should the, should should you be three meters social distancing or four meters, right? And everyone, you can be arguing about that. Or do you want co-governments with 10 entities or five or three? Yeah. No, we want one person, one vote, irrespective of the color of your skin. And worse than that, they've divided us, whether you're Maori or not Maori, They've divided us on whether you're vexed or not vexed. Uh, they've divided us on whether you're in the country or not a, 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 in the town. All these ways that politicians have sliced and diced what is a community and made us tribal into those groups has what also has empowered them. Isn't it interesting? So everyone has a belief system. Um, you know, I, I'm a Christian, I have a Christian belief system, but in Parliament, you know, we, we had all sorts there. You know, you had the hardy Krishnas, um, mm. you, had, you had Muslims, you had the whole lot there, and actually we got on like a house on fire because we respected each other. You allowed your opinion, you allowed your belief system, I allowed mine. We can actually share it with one another and talk to each other about it, but just because yours is different to mine, it doesn't mean I hate you. But it seems to be the media that tries to push the hate. Or if you're not exactly the same, you hate them. And it's simply not true. And Mark Twain had this great analogy. He said, you put 100 fire ants and 100 black ants in a jar and they're fine. You put a lid on the jar and shake it and they'll kill each other. And so, <laughs> so the thing point. then is, is who's shaking the jar? Because I'm sort of like, I, I saw 50 quite a few years ago now. And in my lifetime, you know, generally... I've played sport with people of all different ethnicities. Um, I've worked with all of them. There's never been any drama. We're just people that are maybe slightly different coloured skin, um, maybe different belief systems, different backgrounds, but the commonality of what we're doing, whether it's sport or work or anything, is what draws us together. And we can have our differences, and that's fine. But but somehow the media bringing in this thing, if, you haven't, if you're not the same, then we're going to demonise you and, and make you less than human so we can treat you differently. And we put this animosity in, and, and it's it's not real, but people are believing it. And that's the thing that gets me. There's too many people jumping in on that that bandwagon of if someone has a different belief system to me, they're my enemy. And it, and it's just not true. Um, you're allowed a belief system, so am I. I can share it, but I can't force it on you. That's the key. And this government have a belief system, but they're forcing it on the people of New Zealand. That is what is wrong. Um, you are 100% right, and you're, I fear... Leighton, that this current election is not going to reverse it. Oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised because the people, the people in New Zealand have got to want the change. Mm. And I, I see a lot of them are because in the polls, with Labour dropping out the bottom, National should be on 50%, mm. but they're not because people don't trust them either. So people are going to act in New Zealand first because they're justifying it as, oh, well, I'll get across the line so I'll get something for my vote. But it's just as dumb as last election where they decided to all vote Labour and get rid of Greens because it'll be better for New Zealand. Well, look at the disaster we've got. Mm. It, people have actually got to start voting for people they trust instead of well, instead of strategic. Because when well, you don't my, trust them, you're stuffed. Yeah. 
my view is you got to vote. You vote for the party you want. You don't care about the threshold because um, your one vote ain't going to change anything for National or Labor. But if you vote for a, a party that doesn't make it, you're still registering that choice and the other parties will take note. And um, so don't worry to me. I don't worry about whether they're going to make it or not. I'll vote for um, the party that I most like. And i got a big choice amongst the third parties. It's tough. Um, I'd like to vote for each of them. Um, but my little, my little thing is to give them an opportunity on Rally Check Radio and I have to say, uh, none of them have disappointed me. They've been, they're wonderful and they're, they're real people like you standing. And they're people that I have enormous respect for. And there isn't one party that I wouldn't want to see in Parliament. And I have to tell you, I don't want to see Labour there. I don't want to see National there. I don't particularly want to see ACT there. I don't want to see the Greens there. I don't want to see the Maori Party there. I don't want to see New Zealand First there. And yet that's what we're stuck with. And um, I hear well, are, these, we, are we Rodney? Um, well, we're no. not. We're yeah. not stuck with it if we choose because no vote has yet been cast. Yep. And we could can completely reverse it. And uh, you're giving us that opportunity by standing. And um, if they're only there because people choose to vote for them. Yep. And if you choose to vote for them, you'll get the same old, same old. And it's only if you vote for citizens, I think, first, and reluctant politicians second, that will affect the change that we also desperately want. You're on Radley Check Radio. It's Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. We've been talking to Leighton Baker. Now, Leighton, how can we find out more about your party? Have you a website? Yep, yeah, we've got uh, Leighton Baker Party, uh, dot co.nz uh, goes to the website we're just actually making a new one because the old one we're just having trouble with it but it's meant to be launched the next couple of days or so right. um we're on facebook Leighton baker on facebook uh got telegram and that so people can find us here um they can email us Leighton baker party nz at proton.me um the reality is rodney I, I agree with you that the people standing and in, in, in your the other parties that we call them are awesome people. I've met them and they're just lovely. I met Matt King in Northland AMP show and you couldn't have asked for this is when I was the leader of NC. Couldn't and he was with National. Couldn't have been couldn't have been friendlier, more accommodating, just the nicest guy. Um, genuine guy. Uh, you know, Brian, Brian Tamaki, he's he spent yeah. way more time inside than me. Um, and he's organized a whole lot of freedom rallies, he and his wife Hannah. And yeah. I've met them, they're, they're actually lovely, lovely people. Sue Gray has worked their butt off on the different court cases. Um, yeah. just a genuine, lovely person. And, and they are because the only reason they're saying everyone goes on, and I've heard it, oh, they've got big egos. Man, I, I haven't seen that with them. I've seen people no. have seen a problem, which is where New Zealand's at. And they're willing to give up. None of them are getting paid, I don't think. Well, I don't know. Yeah. We don't. But it's they're willing to give up what they have got for a better New Zealand. And, you know, if New Zealand does click on to the fact that there's a whole group of people there that actually want to serve them and want to help them and want them to have their freedoms back, it could change this whole country. But it's it the could. only thing we will because yeah. if we get same old, and same old, we're each stuck. Of us, each of us have that power, this election. Yeah. Each and every one of us. 
Leighton, it's always a pleasure. The great thing about voting for Leighton Baker is you'll vote for one, you'll get two, because his lovely wife will be beside him. And she's absolutely a treasure. And you'll have her, his daughter uh, beside him. Uh, Leighton, I salute you, sir. I salute you for standing. I salute you for getting that concrete pour done. Um, uh, and actually working and building and not just talking, uh, you're a doer. I wish you every success in this coming election. I wish you a good wind to fill your sails and get you over the line. And whatever the outcome, I promise you, we'll talk after the election. That'd be awesome. I'd love to catch up with you again, Rodney, and maybe in person sit down because uh, you're actually a great guy to sit down and chat with. Um, oh, that's very love, kind. I love hearing your stories and your experience, and you've got a lot to offer. So thanks very much for putting your oh, effort. You're, you're very kind. That was Leighton Baker from the Leighton Baker Party. Just a great guy, great guy at the protest. Not only did he go to the protest, but he helped all of us there. And he was a great what you say, facilitator, go between between the police uh, until they arrested him. <laughs> Hard to believe. Uh, send me a text, 2057. Email me at inbox at radio, and do. The only way you can waste your vote, in my view, is to vote for one of the parties, the legacy parties. The way to make your vote count is to vote for one of the citizen parties because they're the ones... It will change things for the better. This is Real Talk with Rodney Hyde. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 10 a.m.